and welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Voodoo Rumor Tower, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Papa New to PapaNew.com in Omaha, Nebraska, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Conjurman Ali of theconjurman.com in Mission Viejo, California, and special co-host Deacon Millet of thefouralters.org in the high deserts of California. This week, we'll be joined by a special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, Laura Rivera, uh, uh, can be found on Cheshire House Road, R.I. on Facebook in Providence, Rhode Island. Bring us the second part of our topic on working with Spirit Connection Part 2. Afterwards, they'll take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of voodoo, conjure, or root work as been prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooist of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up, the Lucky Mojo form at form.luckymojo.com and listen to the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Conjurman Ali and Deacon Millet. Conjurman Ali. Thank you for that lovely introduction, Papa Newt. Um, for all of you who are listening in, you can tell that I am not Miss Cat. Miss Cat is away uh, hosting some fun events. Uh, and uh, so we have the wonderful Deacon Millet stepping in as a guest co-host. Uh, Deacon Millet is a, a fan favorite and a, a regular on our show, so we're very fortunate and lucky to have him. Um, and we're going to have a very cool and interesting conversation. Uh, just a, you know, a quick, some quick updates. Uh, we'll check in with Deacon Millet in a second, and then we'll have uh, Lara come on uh, and tell us what she's been up to since last week. So we have a, a sort of interesting structure uh, to the show for, for this month. We're doing a longer theme, and this often happens is that we have a really good conversation. Uh, for example, we'll talk about uh, love work, or we'll talk about astrology, or we'll talk about something. But there's only so much time that uh, is dedicated to it. And we always promise, okay, we'll do a follow-up, or we'll do a part two. We'll come back to this topic in a few weeks. And sometimes it works out, and sometimes it doesn't. But this time around, we're actually having a much longer conversation brought to us by Lara, and that is working with spirits. Last week, we talked about ancestral spirits and connecting with the ancestors, and today is going to have its own direction. We're going to talk about graveyard spirits, and then she'll be returning next week for the third part of this conversation. So we've got like a three-part discussion with kind of different facets, and it's something different than what we've done in the past, but hopefully you find it interesting and useful uh, and very exciting. I know that last week's conversation was uh, fantastic. We had a really good and robust conversation and discussion about uh, ancestor work and the way to connect with the ancestors and how to get started uh, with a, an amazing, amazing free spell uh, at the end that kind of blew all of our minds a little bit. <laughs> so we are very happy to have uh, Laura back and happy to have uh, this conversation continue. But this time we have the sort of added benefit of having Deacon Millet join us. 
so this is going to be uh, interesting and fun, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Before we start our discussion, let's check in with Deacon Millet, see how he's doing. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you. Thank you very much. Great to What's be here. What's new in your neck of the woods? Um, well, I, you know, I have an East Coast neck of the woods and a West Coast neck of the woods, and they're both hard in hell. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> no. I actually, I prefer the Joshua Tree Desert heat. It's about 102 there right now, but it's dry, yeah. dry. Here in Baltimore, it's 97, but the humidity is through the roof. So, oh, um, wow. you know, can't just can't win. Um, but uh, hopefully, I'm, I'm praying everyone stays, has the ability to stay cool, praying that there are no deaths from this particular heat wave, and um, yeah. we're keeping the chapels cool. You know, in the desert, you have to have, have if you're going to burn candles, yeah. you've got to have air. And right now, we're running that so air conditioning true. 24 hours a day, all night long. Oh, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's wow. so pretty great. Uh, yeah, I feel you too. Like, yeah. It's, oh no, please continue. I was just saying. I, feel yeah, I know. You, I know that Lara's got <laughs> got her East Coast story, and you've got your West Coast story. So it's um, you know, everywhere is rough. I don't think there's any anybody out there saying, "Oh, it's such nice weather right now." <laughs> I know. And the weather really has gone crazy. Uh, for those of us that are spirit workers and and, and readers and, and seers and whatnot, you often see weather as, as uh, either fortuitous or, or portending some really dark things. But, uh, I mean, the weather in this year in particular has been insane from the shifting of uh, tornadoes from the usual Tornado Valley all the way now to its places like uh, Louisiana, uh, all the way up north to Ohio. So it's, it's been a bizarre, you have shifting weather patterns, you know, the crazy hurricanes. And now, of course, there was flooding in D.C. just a week ago. And now, of right? course, it's insane heat waves, insane heat waves. But, I mean, you're right. I, am, I think those of us on the West Coast are a little bit fortunate in that our heat wave is dry. I got to tell you that mm-hmm. I've been to the East Coast and the humidity, that's not a joke. That's that that's heat, but heat that'll just sap the strength right out of you. Um, yep. So yeah, it's it's been it's been absolutely crazy, and a stark reminder that we are messing up our planet, and and we need to do something about it soon because this is, this new normal, it ain't good, it ain't good. Uh, but yes, no, these, thank you for that. that crazy <laughs> times, crazy times, without a doubt. Very. Very crazy times. Well, let's uh, let's have uh, Laura come in. Let's see how she's doing. Welcome back, Laura. It's so great to have you here. Uh, what have you been up to since last week, since we chatted? Any new news in your neck of the woods? Well, I have had, luckily, a quiet week hiding in my sitting room with the air conditioner because we bought mm. a 100-year-old Victorian that does not have central air. So I'm getting used to the humidity of this tiny little beautiful state of Rhode Island that probably is about the size of an extra large post stamp, but has 400 <laughs> miles of beaches. 
So we have lots of humidity everywhere. And I thought, oh, it'll be nice and cool. I'll be down at the beach. No, I'm hiding. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's not true. It doesn't doesn't help at all. Oh, that's that's well. Chad has appreciated that we've made progress on the book that we're working on, so it has had its productive time. Yeah, I mean, that's sometimes the the consequence, the unintended consequence of when you're forced to hide away from weather, whether it's rain or heat, is that you end up being productive. At first, you just kind of sit around and go, well, what do I do now? But then eventually it leads to being productive, actually getting things done, whether it's, I always find that when I'm stuck indoors, because, I mean, I tend to be pretty indoors anyways, but when I'm stuck, like, I know I can't go out because it's just too hot. The house ends up being very clean, very sparkly clean, <laughs> just as a random coincidence for whatever reason. So, yes, I, I, I totally see how weather and productivity go hand in hand. Um, we have a really, really interesting conversation today. Uh, we're going to continue the talk about uh, spirits and working with spirits, but we're taking, them in a slight, taking it in a slightly different direction. So this was brought to us by Laura, and we're going to talk today about graveyard spirits, a very important feature of root work. And uh, people don't often realize just how much of hoodoo and root work is grounded in work with the dead. In fact, when I was learning uh, root work and conjure, in Virginia and conjure, there was a saying People always said that if you had a problem, you take your problem to God first. If you can't figure it out with God, then you do roots. That's work with the herbs and whatnot. And if you can't figure out with roots, you then go to the dead. So the dead played a big role in the kind of hierarchy of, of spiritual entities you turn to when you had a problem issue or whatnot. And graveyard dirt itself is a very common feature of many powders and dust and formula. So that's a very important aspect of root work. So with that introduction, I'm going to turn this over to Laura, and she's going to guide us uh, in the direction she wants to discuss. We're going to, I think we're going to start off by talking about how do you even start graveyard work? So Laura? Absolutely. Certainly I was fascinated by this work coming from a Jewish tradition that didn't do a lot of graveyard work. And so when I started getting into it, Really, the biggest questions I had were, oh, my God, what if something goes wrong? I mean, that's a a natural concern. And I wanted to take a moment to just kind of talk about what your preliminary steps are. How do you approach this work? We had a really great um, show last week that talked about how we interacted with our ancestors. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted Mm -hmm. to briefly cover that we're talking about respect, 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 and that these right. are not, you know, the, you know, something you pick up off a commercial shelf. These were living people that still exist with a spiritual strength, and the way you deal with them and the way you interact with them is really an important element. So before you start down that path, Stop and recognize that you're not just getting dirt with a, you know, your hands or a trowel. You're taking something from someone's place of, of death, their place where they are mm. and they feel connected to. 
So it's really important that we do this and we begin with this respectfully. So the first thing is trying to find the right graveyard because we have lots of different laws throughout our country as to whether or not you can take something from a graveyard, whether or not you can only take things from graveyards of family members you're related to, and whether or not you can leave things behind. So this respect goes not just to the ancestors, but also taking time to respect our local laws. I enjoy finding historical sites, especially historical graveyards that are not commonly tended. I'm very lucky to have a small one that has both a, um, a blessed and fenced area, a consecrated area, and an area outside of this consecrated. And maybe we'll have time to talk about why you would use dirt from one or the other. And I mm. make a real effort to make sure that I am cleaning up when I go to this space. I do it before I get there. I do it on the way out. I take students there. So we do a lot of cleanup work. Um, I have had an officer stop and ask what we were doing, and I told them we were cleaning up and that, you know, we had ancestors in that area and everybody was fine with that. So do take a moment before you start to make sure what the legalities are. For instance, in Rhode Island, you can't take rubbings of gravestones. It's not legal. Mm. Wow. So the next thing when you approach the graveyard, you can make payment at the, at the entrance, normally silver mm -hmm. dimes, but other coins, a little whiskey, and you just kneel, mm -hmm. you know, next to it. You place it as you were entering, you know, paying whether right. it's the keeper of the graveyard or whether or not you're simply just centering yourself to make sure you enter this mm -hmm. as a sacred space. Say a prayer. That's an excellent thing to do at every point in our lives. When you're headed to a gravestone, if you know where you're headed because it is your ancestor, take a moment to stop and look at the other gravestones on the way. Say their name aloud. Say, you know, hi, how are you? You know, it's nice to see you're laying near my grandfather. You know, make an effort to speak with those that are laid to rest near your ancestors because they may in time want to work with you as well. When you look to take dirt, mm -hmm. it's a very interesting decision as to whether or not you want to take it from the head, from the feet, from the hands. So take a moment to stop and think about the work that you're going to do and think about who you're working with and what you want to use this graveyard dirt for. Because when we take grave dirt from a graveyard, we're also taking a connection with that spirit home with us, all right? And so we want to think about what we want mm. them to do. I tell my students all the time, communicate, communicate, communicate. They get so involved in the proper process, they forget to speak. And everybody right. likes to be spoken to. So make mm -hmm. a point of speaking and praying, and really trying to do this respectfully. 
Now, there's a couple of things about when we leave to check for, but I'd like to hear what your thoughts are, Kondra Manali. I think I, I couldn't agree more with you. I, I, what I took away from what you said is uh, respect and communicate. Those are the kind of two cornerstones that you're building up uh, this work on, and I, and I couldn't agree more. You were working with an entity. You were working with a person. And I think sometimes people fall into the trap of forgetting that. And I see this a lot with younger uh, root workers and younger workers or people who are just starting out um, who see uh, this work as almost a collecting uh, or convenience store or, or um, you know, they, they you know, uh, push a couple buttons and something pops out. So they see this work in that regard. Oh, I'm just going to add a little bit of graveyard dirt here, and this will do this. And I'm just going to go and gather this, and I'm going to work with this spirit of the dead. Well, this spirit, it calls for working with a, uh, a spirit of a police officer, so that's what I'm going to do. And what they forget is they're working with actual people. That This isn't a, a just push buttons and something happens, but rather about building a relationship and building a connection. So I, I'm absolutely 100% with you. I do want to state, too, is that there are, um, even though we have this sort of sketch of how to gather graveyard dirt, there are some variations, and regional variations does play a role. Hoodoo is a family of traditions, not a singular uh, tradition, and that's important to remember, that we're not just dealing with, um, you know, a four, set of formulas. This is what you've got to do. For example, working with the, with the gateway or the entryway to the graveyard, you'll find that a lot on the East Coast. You'll find that amongst Virginian conjurers, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. But you're not going to find that a lot with people in Alabama or Mississippi um, or Missouri. They will have a different approach to a graveyard. So remembering that there is variation, and it's always about respect. It's about communication. So I, I think... That's a fantastic start. Uh, Deacon Miller, how about you? When you, st- when you? What are some recommendations you have for people who are just starting to work with graveyard spirits? Like, What is a good entryway into that type of work for you? Well, I think one thing is, is meditating upon um, mortality in the graveyard in general. If you have never spent time in a graveyard not – gathering graveyard dirt and not attending a funeral, but just walking through it and contemplating death, um, then you're really not prepared to move forward into one-on-one discussions with various spirits. And I think that may be one of the things that throws people off from doing this stage of the work, because this is where, this is the homework least turned in. Miss Cat's course. This is the homework where everybody stops and goes, I can't do this. And my advice was always carry your silver dime or other coins, carry a small bag and carry a spoon with you at all times. That way, when you're drawn to do it or when an opportunity, because God will provide them for you, when the opportunity arises, you're prepared. You, You can just go through with it. The other thing um, some of my students have said is, well, um, I, I don't, I'm scared. I don't want to be haunted. I don't want anything bad to happen. Yeah. And I was like, well, um, this is where the respect comes in. And my thing is always, mm-hmm. um, I take a trowel 
and I take a plant. Mm -hmm. And I don't do mm -hmm. this except in the, the gentler months. I don't do it in midsummer mm -hmm. or uh, the winter, but I always dig a small hole where I'm going to take my dirt, put my coins in, and put a plant on top. Then Very nice. the, the spirit knows that I am there with all every best intention in the world, that I'm grateful to them. Um, and anybody watching um, has a very distinct impression of what I'm doing and that it's okay. Um, now, you don't want to do this. You, you want to look at the graveyard you're in first and go, well, there are no plants planted in this one, so I'm not going to do it here. Just as, oh, there are no you know, teddy bears in this one, so that's considered inappropriate in this particular graveyard. Every graveyard has its um, habits, but you will find lots of um, graves with uh, rose bushes next to them. Um, and those also make beautiful places to, to leave um, the remains mm -hmm. of spell work done. So um, it, it's, it worries people, I know. Um, yeah. And one of the things I wanted to ask Lara was, well, what do we do? So there are certainly the spirits of the dead in a graveyard, which is where we anticipate encountering them. But what about spirits of the dead that aren't at rest? What do we do when we encounter those? And I hear from clients about that a lot. Yeah, well, I would question. generally, yeah, yeah. I am a big advocate of general psychic self-defense. I don't let any of my students even begin coursework on whatever topics they want to do without having to digest one of the psychic self-defense books. Certainly, I recommend Dion Fortune's book on that because mm -hmm. one of the things that can happen is that when you've got a spirit that is not at rest, it can, it can discombobulate you. And we want to make mm -hmm. sure that you've got a really good grounding on how to just originally initiate, and not initiate, but protect yourself from those influences. Then mm -hmm. the next step is mm -hmm. always going to be divination, divination, divination. Because mm. it can be very easy to misunderstand what's going on in our lives as being unquiet spirits. And what that unquiet spirit is able to do or not able to do, getting a reading or doing a reading yourself is a good place to start. And like a diagnostic tool, understand what we're looking at. Options then may vary, and that flows into some of the advice of things that you can do to protect yourself on the way out of a graveyard if you think you've mm -hmm. disturbed something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways that we talk about is putting Florida water in a spray bottle. We can mm -hmm. use that to spray the clothes we wore out down knocking our shoes out outside of the car before we get back into the car so we're not bringing foot tracks in from us. Uh, an mm -hmm. old tradition you get a lot is to cross running water 
go over a bridge so that the spirits don't follow you home. But if they do Mm. follow you home, now we start talking about how do they set up house? I mean, how are they existing within your space? Are they coming in your dreams? Have they actually moved into the space? Do we need to put up protective work at our door frames? Do we need to look at putting out perhaps spirit bottles to entrap Mm. um, disquiet spirits? I'm sure you've got a lot of great ideas on that, uh, Conjurman Ali. What do you think? Yeah, I think there's a – well, firstly, I think there there needs to be an understanding of the orientation towards spirits. So most of the hoodoo tradition comes from uh, a background of seeing the dead as uh, just part of our world. So what, what Ms. Katz says is that uh, it's not a sort of fearful dead approach. We do find some examples exactly. of Virginian Conjure being one, um, but th- most of the people who come in with this kind of sense of fear of the dead generally are coming to hoodoo from outside traditions. And they're generally coming right. to it from uh, European backgrounds or backgrounds in which spirits are overtly and regularly harmful. In hoodoo, there are harmful spirits, but the spirits are viewed like people. Some are good, some are bad, and so there's less a sort of fear or anxiety about approaching them. That said, there are ways of dealing with either fearful dead or just normal decorum things that ensures you're uh, protected. I mean, one of the more common ones, taking a different route home, right, or crossing water of some sort, uh, going over a bridge or going over whatever, uh, you know, and that helps to ensure that the spirit can't track you back home. I even heard people talk about that uh, just as you leave coins as you enter, so too do you leave coins as you leave. You take a second and just pause. You leave some coins and say, thank you, my work here is done. I'm on my way. And that ensures that the gatekeeper uh, or the keeper of the cemetery uh, only allows out that spirit that you've made a connection with. And so the key here is one, connection, two, as you rightly put it, uh, respect. If you go in there with a sense of respect, if you go in there with a sense of I'm trying to make a connection, you will find helpful spirits. And certainly there are calls and times when you shouldn't be working with restful, uh, restless dead and those type of spirits. But if you're starting out, try to start out with, a, with some form of uh, connection. Don't go out there acting like you're, you're hiring a bounty hunter or, you know, <laughs> with a sense of entitlement, right? I'm going to go in there and I'm going to grab the biggest, baddest spirit I can find because I want to mess somebody up. Well, you know, you're going in there with the wrong attitude. Start by creating allyships. And that's another key. If you build strong alliances with friendly spirits, that in turn can protect you from some of the, uh, you know, risks that are there some of the problems that can arise. They can protect you from other spirits that may not be so friendly. So this is why building that connection, building it respectfully, is so key to this type of work. Uh, Deacon Mill, I want to ask you, why would anyone want to, you know, work with graveyard spirits? What is the purpose of working with graveyard spirits? What is the kind of reason why we root workers turn to uh, graveyard spirits? And how do graveyard spirits feature in, in your work, the work that you do? Well, I think um, the the major reason is to access um, power, and there are 
I think that the way this was introduced by you about the idea that take it to God, then take it to the roots, then take it to spirit was is a really beautiful way of thinking about it. Um, I use graveyard dirt very um, <clears throat> prayerfully, um, and I use it in a more the way I use saints to make a a deeply personal connection um, rather than the more um, global, you know, God connection that feels much mm. more amorphous. Um, so there's mm. I I use graveyard dirt in an intercessional way, um, mm. and certainly I use different graveyard dirt for different purposes. And this is where you wind up with a with a small collection of different things. Okay. Uh, what you find is that there is no, um, you know, one size fits all graveyard dirt. Some people will use dirt that's not from a grave, that's from within the cemetery mm-hmm. to represent kind of the gatekeeper. Um, but right. I don't. I'm. I want characters. You know, I want. Um, you know, individuals to work with. And I have some that are great with revenge and some that are great with love. And one particular one that does in tranquil spirit work with me. Um, And even one that's that's got really good luck. Um, So, you know, I think think that's the, the real key is in the same way that if you had a question or a concern in your own life, you'd choose which friend you spoke about, spoke with about it based on their skill set and their personality. You go to right. the graveyard dirt the same way. Um, uh, you know, very good point. How, how will this person help me in this situation? And, and we all know certain friends that we just don't go to in certain situations. You know, right. Really, right. It feels very clear. Oh, they're not going to help on this particular thing. That's a, that's so, a really good point. Very good point. Yeah. And also, like culturally, this plays a factor. Uh, I'll give you a, an interesting example about graveyard dirt. It's a story um, about uh, teaching and, and graveyard dirt. And so, I I was working with some clients who uh, all came from. Um, these clients were, were from a Caucasian background. They were white. And for them, uh, when they're like, okay, I need you to go gra- graveyard dirt from someone that will protect you. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, they're going to go grab graveyard dirt from grandma, grandpa, whatever. And their first instinct was, oh, I'm going to go grab, find graveyard dirt from a police officer because a police officer will protect me. And that's interesting because I had heard that a few times from people. But the tradition I grew up in, which was Virginian conjure, um, Police officers, you work with them on court case because they knew the ins and outs of the court system, and so they could they can kind of work the system on your behalf. But because mm-hmm. Virginian conjure and like like all conjure comes from the Black American experience, police officers weren't always viewed as protective influences. They were viewed as oh, they're part of the system. They know how the system works, so we can right. reach out to police officers and they can help us. But growing up, I had very few people say, oh, go to a graveyard of a police officer and they'll protect you. The first instinct was always who? Grandma, grandpa, uncle, father. Right. That family member right. was the people you went and got 
graveyard dirt from. So it's not – so you have, you're absolutely right. Skill set plays a big role. Your own sort of, I think, cultural background plays a role, and your own family plays a big role. It's like your upbringing. Who would you turn to? Who would you trust? And I don't think people always take that into consideration. I think they view it almost like a, a formula. Oh, well, this calls from the graveyard dirt of blank. No, no, no. Who do you think you should turn to for that? If you're asking for help with love work, you're doing some type of coercive love work, are you going to go to the murder victim? Are you going to go to the thief? Or are you going to go to someone who loves you and knows what you need and desire? So you got to ask yourself. you gotta, you got to think, I think, a little bit critically here. Think a little bit spiritually here and think beyond the sort of formulaic, uh, this is what I could do. So you're right. Skill set plays a big role in this, and this is why we work with different types of spirit. Laura, you were, you were going to say something. I'm sorry. I cut you off. Oh, no. I was going to add that when you are displaced from access to your ancestors or you simply mm. don't have time to get to them, my family's all buried in Long Island. I mean, that's a trip for me, right? Mm-hmm. If I need something and I can't make it out there, how do we choose a spirit we're not familiar with? We may not know what they did for a living. And I wanted to just add to your thought about the process of trying to figure out what works for you mm. and thinking about what works for you, we can enter that space and simply ask for an intuition. You can announce, this is my situation. I'm challenged. I need somebody willing to help me and let mm. yourself be guided through the graveyard till you rest at that place. I ended up Mm -hmm. with a spirit that was incredibly protective, and she died at the age of eight. And she had such this idealistic desire for everything to go well. She turned out to be a wonderful spirit to work with who wanted love and happiness for people. And she worked very hard because this is what she wanted in her life, was for everybody to Mm -hmm. be loved and happy. So you can engage in that intuitive process. And for those that are struggling with a natural intuition, a pendant works very well to confirm your intuition. You can ask yes, no questions. Will the spirit work with me? Will they not? And they can easily Mm -hmm. be wrapped around your necklace, your neck and look like a necklace if somebody's wondering what you're doing. Mm Mm-hmm. Pendulum work. That's fantastic. Building some form of way of communicating uh, with spirit is great. I always tell people, anytime you start any type of psychic work, intuition work, or trying to build communication with spirits, keep a dream journal, right? They'll come to you in your dreams. They'll speak to you. And that kind of develops, also develops the sort of uh, symbolic logic that goes behind a lot of this intuitive work. Oh, I dreamt of this, and then this happened. Okay, that builds a sort of vocab, if you will, uh, for this type of spirit mm-hmm. work. That is, that, that's absolutely fantastic. Um, I wanted to ask, I'm going to actually go extend our conversation into our first caller. We don't have someone uh, in the queue yet, so hopefully they'll call in by the second caller. Uh, I do want to uh, kind of extend also because this is a really great conversation. Uh, so we're going to go a, a little bit beyond our 
um, our allotted time and extend the discussion. Uh, hopefully that's fine uh, with both of you. Um, what I really wanted to, to kind of ask or kind of open up here, are, are there certain spirits that you turn to, graveyard spirits, reliably? Like is there someone that you go to and you know? So, for example, I'll, I'll give you uh, an example of this. The, the late Dr. E, uh, dear friend of all of us, actually talked about how he worked reliably with this uh, spirit of the graveyard who was a worker in life, like a hard worker in life and toiled with their hands and was a big kind of burly, strong guy that he could reliably turn on for a great deal of work because in life he was a hard worker. In life he was this kind of strong dude, and in spirit he was like that as well. Do you have a spirit like that in that you work with, or are there a couple spirits that you kind of reach out with and know that they will reliably come through for you? And I open this up, Brian. That's, that's a really excellent question and kind of talks to – where I'm at in this process myself personally. I returned the graveyard dirt that I had when I left Texas. I had no particular reason or tradition that I needed to do that, but that felt appropriate to me. I didn't know what was going to happen with where this new move was going to be, and I felt uncomfortable taking them out of their home. So I returned all of the dirt that I had been working with and laid all of those spirits to rest, except the dirt that I was gifted um, for Bonnie and Clyde. I kept that. And I'm in the process this summer of visiting the graves of my actual ancestors because I'm now back mm. home. And my family has um, people all over Providence and Massachusetts and my daughter and mm. I are spending August going to the various graveyards in our area and getting to know our family history because she's never lived up here. So mm. it's kind of where I'm at in this process of, you know, it's late in the game. I've been practicing for quite a while and I'm reestablishing all of my relationships and I'm very excited about it. Um, I tend to use, honestly, Aunt Caroline does almost everything that I need done when I need it done. She's, um, she's my go-to girl. So I'd be interested to see, um, you know, what are your, some of your favorites, Deacon? Yeah, Deacon Miller. Um, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I think we all have our own um, kind of ways we feel about this. I do not use my ancestral graveyard dirt to work with clients. Um, mm. I will use it personally, but yeah. it just it feels too close somehow. And I just, I haven't been able to make that jump. Um, so that's kind of that's a line that I draw. I I have similarly to, to Dr. E's experience, I discovered um a spirit who was uh young and forceful and had worked hard in life but had died prematurely. Um and he wasn't a good person. <laughs> 
necessarily, but was quite willing to continue to work hard. Um, and uh, so I give him in tranquil spirit work, and he's very, very happy with that. And one of the things mm. I, I, I personally believe is that doing in tranquil spirit work without knowing intimately the spirit you're working with is a huge mistake. It's, it's just a error to just open the door. Mm -hmm. So I, I tell my clients, well, I cheat. That's how, that's how I can tell you it's not going (laughs) to have repercussions on you because rather than just going willy nilly out there, um, I do have one particular spirit that I work with for that. And um, I use graveyard dirt in a lot of my vigil candles. Um, you know, it only takes mm-hmm. a pinch. Um, people go so overboard, and if you use a lot, your candle ain't going to burn. Um, but, oh, that's but, so true. Um, for things like in tranquil spirit work, just um, a little bit of graveyard dirt in there um, personalizes at working mm-hmm. and prevents it from being um, too too chaotic. Yeah, that's so true. So, that's so true. And I'm I'm I've been, I'm I'm uh, yeah. Go ahead, please. Oh, I was just going to say I also like historical um, graveyards like Tombstone and places like that where I can get mm-hmm. oh murderer and here's a brothel. Owner. Right. Here's you know right. to me that's a to me that's a lot of fun. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, fun is okay. Joy, when you're dealing with the spirits of the dead, is not an inappropriate um, feeling. We need to be serious and respectful, but, but we should also realize that some of these spirits want to laugh. They want to do mm-hmm. things. They want, they're bored. Um, and yeah. so, so it's, it's, um, it's just very multifaceted for sure. Yeah, I mean, you're you're reaching out. You're their connection to life again. So there should mm-hmm. be, uh, you know, there should be something there uh, that, that helps them remember. Uh, if you're not finding joy in this work anyways, you're doing something wrong. Um, there, this mm. is joyful work. This is meant to be uplifting work, even if sometimes we have to work with the other hand. What's interesting is that... Uh, I think one of the steps, and I think this is probably one of them, something we've, we've all been touching on, is, is the act of listening, the act of mm-hmm. going into a graveyard dirt. And some, sometimes you don't go in there and go, I know who I'm going to gather graveyard dirt from. Sometimes you go in and you just listen. And that's an important component that you don't always have to go in there actively looking to make contracts or alliances or friendships Sometimes you, or, or finding workers. I'm going to go and grab this. It doesn't always have to be transactional. It can be just, I'm here to listen. And that's a good start for building that relationship, right? You start to listen. Would you go up to a stranger and be like, hey, stranger, can you do this one thing for me? Kind of awkward. And most people are, are friendly and might help you out, but occasionally you'll get someone like, what the hell? Get away from me, right? And so it is important to learn to build that relationship step by step, little by little, and kind of go from there. But I wanted to also ask, this is, and I think this ties in very well to our conversation from last week. Um, when we say ancestors, we don't always literally mean the people who are tied to your blood. We sometimes mean spiritual ancestors can be people who are in your profession, 
there's a uh, there's a reason root workers turn to other spiritual workers, even if they're not related. Those are their spiritual ancestors. Uh, it can be people that have become adopted into your family. It can even be sp- spirits that have become really friendly and uh, to you and are now adopted into your sort of spiritual court, for lack of a better word. And I think that's another mm-hmm. aspect of working with graveyard spirits is they can eventually go from being the people you do work with to being more than that to being guiding spirits, mm-hmm. to being spirits that give advice. Have you experienced yeah. that? Is that something that, that features in your work? Uh, for I me? certainly have there. I certainly have had that experience. Matter of fact, um I, I pretty much every spirit that came with us from Texas and hopefully some that we've arrived are all really Mm -hmm. part of the family. I don't necessarily know that I consider them separate. I mean, they have different voices and different goals about what they want to talk about and which conversations they want to participate in. And I find it very comforting to have Mm. these relationships with my spirits. I like being alone. I'm you know, I'm, I'm an introvert, but knowing that mm-hmm. I've got other people in my house that I can talk to, whether or not they are my own ancestors, whether or not they're spirits who've come to work with me, or whether or not they're, they were never living creatures as far as human beings before, I find uh, it's a natural part of our conversation. My children certainly were raised around the understanding that Spirits were in the house. They were part of our Sabbath. They were part of our feast days. They were taken care of on a regular basis. I've been told uh, my my spirits are pretty spoiled because we're constantly taking care of them because we feel that they are uh, a member of the family. This is probably the number one thing why I start my students off tending an untended graveyard. Because the process of picking up garbage, taking care of weeds, sitting down and having conversations, we do picnics in the graveyard. I'm really beginning them because a lot of them are not from um, dead, comfortable societies or cultures. I'm Mm -hmm. really trying to get to know them. And we had a great question in our chat. Mm -hmm about what do you do about interacting with spirits when you don't have access to graveyard dirt, perhaps because they're mm-hmm. sealed in urns because they were cremated. And I want to say I'm not sure how that would be replaced when the spell calls for graveyard dirt, mm-hmm. but you don't need graveyard dirt or ashes to connect with your ancestors or any spirit willing to work with you. And we covered quite a bit of that in the previous radio show. And I think that's really excellent to know that you can connect with these spirits and don't, there's not one method of that connection. And there isn't one method of relationship. I encourage people to include all of their spirits in their daily Mm -hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about you, Deacon Miller? Have you developed that sort of connection with a spirit that they're no longer 
uh, just a graveyard spirit, but someone that is guiding or or an ally or whatnot. Like, for example, Caroline Dye is a great example of a spirit that isn't exactly just a spirit of the dead, just a graveyard spirit that you work with for work, but becomes a sort of guiding spirit. Or other people work with Marie Laveau or, or so on and so forth. Like, is there something like that also in your work? I wouldn't say that I have a guiding spirit yet. No. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, there's not a single spirit that I go to with that sense of asking advice besides my my mm-hmm. own immediate ancestors, by, by which I mean mm-hmm. specific thoughts. Um, right. Not, and, not people I didn't know. Yeah, and this is one, this is uh, another approach and perfectly fine. And this is, I think, something that Laura is getting at, is that there's going to be differentiation and variation in the way that we do this work. For some people, you work with graveyard in a certain way and other people in a different way. And there are traditional paths, well-worn paths that we can take and well-worn paths uh, that uh, we can, you know, uh, approach. But there's going to be little slight differences because of our own personal spiritual experiences. And I think, especially when it comes to graveyard dirt, people kind of approach it as a sort of formula, right? It's like, okay, I have to do this. Did I put the coins in the right place? Uh, is this the right – well, I don't think I actually buried them. Oh, did I put flowers? Was I supposed to put flowers? That's not – you know, that isn't the the, the right <laughs> approach. First, you, you're so riddled with anxiety. You're doing something wrong. Uh, but two, there is there is a great deal of intuition and, and sort of nuance that goes into it. There's a great deal of, a, uh, you know, uh, you know, personality that goes into it, a personalization that goes into it. That said, that doesn't mean anything is willy-nilly. Um, and I do find that that can also be problematic when I'm teaching students. It's like, oh, well, I went there, and, you know, I really felt that I shouldn't be taking coins with me. Uh, instead, I took Monopoly money. And I'm like, okay, well, there's a reason we do things a certain way. And so I do think that the right. well-worn traditional path is where you start and then allow yourself to slowly branch out from that. Uh, I feel like Agreed. you resonated yeah. with that. I heard affirmation. <laughs> yeah. So um, we're, we're, we're coming towards the end. So let's wrap up with some really quick last-minute um, strategies, tips, things that we can throw out there for uh, clients uh, when it comes to the work that they do. So I'll, I'll go first, and then we can uh, go to Laura and then Deacon Miller, and then kind of go uh, from there. Uh, my recommendation, one really quick strategy, is that whenever you're handling graveyard dirt, it's a good idea to just kind of afterwards flick your hands with a little bit of Florida water. You just dab the Florida water in your hands, and then go flick, flick, flick away. And this is a good way to ensure that you can handle graveyard dirt, but you don't carry that spirit with you everywhere that you go. One thing uh, that I do that I recommend for all people to do, just wash your hands with Florida water and flick your hands away whenever you handle uh, graveyard dirt. Uh, Laura? My recommendation would be to slow down, take stock of how you're feeling, what space you're in, who may else be in the space with you. Don't rush through blindly. Really take stock of what's going on. It's part of our mindfulness practices. And then address what you're feeling 
in one situation or another. Hmm. I'm I'm not sure that I have any more um, guidance than I already offered. Um, mm. Certainly, label everything. Um, I um. I found a bag of graveyard dirt and couldn't remember what it was. And of Where course, when I did, I said to myself, "Oh, I'll never forget what this is." Of course, I'll always know. So I didn't bother. Um, be be. Uh, <laughs> Um, a little more organized than that, certainly. Um, and also take take the take the opportunity to um, tend the the graveyard. I think that that's one of the things that Lara's approach has that's so important to it. Um, you know, there are a lot of just derelict um, little yeah. rural cemeteries out there, and um, they need our care. So um, we might as well, as we're going there, you know, pick up. Absolutely. That's a, that was funny because it's a total psychic moment as I was going to recommend. If you build a relationship with the spirit um, and you go back to, to that, don't be afraid to go beyond just, oh, I'm here to grab graveyard dirt and I'm going to give you some coins. Clean up the grave, washing the grave, uh, putting flowers in, uh, taking away the weeds. It all plays a big role. And don't overestimate the power of water. That's, I think, the other tip that I would recommend. Water is a really powerful spiritual conduit, and cool water in particular is a very great offering for spirits. And in fact, I would always recommend water before you give uh, alcohol. I think uh, the common is to, to, is to give whiskey, and certainly, I think, in some of the African diasporic traditions, rum plays a big role, and certainly those are very important offerings. But remember that not all spirits are pro-alcohol. You might be dealing with someone who was an alcoholic in life or had difficulties. So a good standard is water more than anything else. And water poured over a headstone or a tombstone cools spirits down. In fact, it's one of the ways we do ghost land uh, in Virginian conjure. But you can also use it to just kind of refresh a spirit. If you, you know, a spirit has come through for you or they have helped you, go back and pour some cool water over its tombstone to kind of wash everything away, but also to cool that spirit down. Uh, it's a really good tip. It's a good strategy. Water is really powerful as a conduit uh, for aspect. Um, yeah. Anything else that we want to add uh, on tips and strategy ones? We're just going to leave it open and kind of rapid fire as many as we can come up in the next few minutes uh, for, for people. No, I think we've covered pretty much everything. I do like to read in graveyards, so I often will take um, literature from the time period and read it out loud. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. That I've, I've never actually done, like, a, like a, let me take a book and read out that, but I have done reading in sense of I've pulled cards or I've done a divination at the cemetery. And that's another thing you can use spirits of the dead for. I think graveyard spirits work really well as spirits that discern things. If you find mm-hmm. a spirit who is was a psychic themselves, that's great. If not, most spirits have access to, to knowledge and to see truly. Not all are good for that. Uh, not all are useful. So you have to be a little discerning in which spirit you work with or which spirit you reach out to. But 
um, you can absolutely build a relationship with the spirit that can help you with your readings. Uh, you can uh, grab a little bit of uh, graveyard dirt. You can leave uh, tools of divination in the cemetery. I know people, for example, who bury pendulums in uh, with the graves of helpful spirits or spirits that they build a connection with, particularly ancestors. They might leave uh, their pendulum there. They might even grab dust a little bit of their cards with a little bit of the dirt, some variety of different kind of tools that you have. And that can help to build not only a connection with the spirit, but also designate uh, a form of communication. When I'm pulling these cards, I'm talking with great-grandma so-and-so. Or when I'm using my pendulum, this is with uh, this particular spirit. And those spirits, in turn, can help answer questions that you might have, uh, might be able to uh, see more clearly. And this is what some people call a spirit of divination, which is a very famous mm. kind of old turn phrase that you don't always see anymore. And it comes out of this idea that old divination is communication with spirit. Um, I think the sort of nowadays we view it in in terms of, especially in sort of the modern notion of fortune telling us really a connection with our own psyche or, or sub journeying into our subconscious or any of those things. But traditionally it was generally viewed as communication with, with a spirit um, uh, of some type, usually an ancestor or a helpful spirit or some type of spirit that was uh, an ally uh, who could be called upon to answer questions. So this is another thing that you can uh, consider. We have uh, come to the end. We extended this conversation up all the way into our first caller. Uh, it was a really great conversation. I really enjoyed this discussion. Uh, graveyard spirits are something I'm, you know, at the heart of hoodoo, but often deeply, deeply uh, misunderstood. Uh, I look forward to having uh, the third part of this conversation next week. For so those of you that are interested in hearing more, don't worry. There is going to be more. Laura returns to us uh, next week. We are going to take a quick break, and then Papa Newt is going to lead us on to our next segment, which is doing readings. Support for this programming is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Rootworkers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and take our next, our, our client. Uh, we do not have any of our signups uh, that have called in today, so we are going to uh, venture into the queue and see. We do have uh, somebody with their hand up calling in from Washington, D.C., of area code 202. 202, are you there? Yes, I am. <laughs> Hello. 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 It's good. It's good to have you here. Well, uh, what's your name, hon? My name is Natalie. Natalie, it's a pleasure to have you here with us today. And can you give us in like maybe two or three sentences uh, a brief description of your situation or the question you have for our readers? Okay. I called a few months ago and got some excellent advice from from Conjurman Ali and Miss Cat, and uh, I just got some candles burned from Deacon Millet, and I just got my re my candle report today. Uh, real quick, uh, 
me and my boyfriend been having problems based on some some old people that used to live in his house. And Deacon Millet gave me an excellent candle report today. I'm so happy about that. Thank you, Deacon. And uh, I just need to. Oh, God bless you. God bless you. Uh, I just I just needed to know what what I should do going forward. Um, should I keep up the tower candle or the bound and gag candle? <laughs> well, I would I would leave that. Um, I guess I'll I'll just go for this question. Yes, um, please. Right. Perfect, perfect caller because it's right for yeah, you, right up your really, alley. So your first reader is exactly. you can do it. Yeah, it really yeah. depends on on what you're wanting to do, whether it's more important to you to shut them up and keep them out of your business, and for that, you'd want the bound and gagged candles. Or if you are wanting to bring accidents and difficulties into their lives, more of a curse, and in that case, you would want the tower candles. So it's really up to you. I guess I'm really more concerned about the karmic replications of the tower because the tower, it seems like y'all went forward with the tower and it worked wonderfully, but I'm yeah. just really worried about the karmic replications. Well, there there are a couple of, of levels to that, to that question. One, um, who doesn't really have a, the idea of karma? Um, it, it's, you know, disenfranchised people um, eventually decide that, hey, you know, I didn't deserve this, so life isn't fair. And um, clearly we can see in the world around us that good people um, don't always get what they deserve and bad people certainly don't get what they deserve. So there's that level of whether karma and conjure go together or not. Now, if you believe in karma then, of course, it, it has an impact and you'll want to um, be a good person. But one of the reasons that you hire a professional is to keep your hands clean <laughs> um, so oh. that there's, there's a level of distance between any sort of karmic retribution and you personally. So if you've got us doing the work for you, we're also going to take the hit for you. Um, so I'll, I'll leave it to um, Conjurman Ali and, and Lara to, to discuss what, what they think about such things. But those are my, that's my take on it. All right. Thank you, Deacon Miller. And I think you, I mean, perfect timing. Your first reader was uh, Deacon Miller and gave you some wonderful advice because he knew exactly what was going on and which uh, direction you could uh, perhaps take it. What we'll do is we'll have Laura come in uh, and give uh, a, the next reading. She can just read on the situation, see what's uh, going on, how things are going, kind of complement the wonderful uh, candle report that you received from Deacon Mutt. And then I'll come in and give some root work recommendations and then I'll keep my root work recommendations short so that we can have Deacon Millet come back in and give you a little bit more because he knows your situation better than, than we do. So this is really kind of a great opportunity to chat with uh, Deacon Millet. We'll just add, we'll kind of complement 
um, the advice that, that he's given because you really are in, in good hands with him. So let's have uh, Laura uh, do a, a reading, and then we'll go from there. Thank Hi. you. It's nice to meet you. And thank you very much for calling in. I laid some cards down while you were talking to Deacon Millet, and I pulled the Three of Wands, Justice, and the Empress. And so my advice is kind of a pretty concise statement that I think it's important for you to feel that you do justified work, that it's important for you personally to feel like what you're doing is ethical and justified, and that is a pretty core element to how you view yourself and how you view how you move through the world. The Empress card tells me that. The justice in our present tells me that. And because we pulled the three of wands and we now are looking at choices, I would say that you should make a choice, as he suggested, is one that feels right to you because you don't, you're not comfortable when you make choices and you don't think they're justified. Okay. That's true. Yeah, so that, that's yeah. Please, please. So I didn't if you want to don't feel ahead. like the, if you don't feel like the power is justified for the situation, then you know continue with the other option. You got good results from both. I wish you the best of luck. I do feel that the power is justified for this situation, though. Thank you so much. Mm. That's fantastic. So here's here's. Let me ask a couple of clarifying questions, if you don't mind, and then I'm going to give you some recommendations, and then we'll have uh, Deacon Millet jump in, and Laura also feel free to jump in uh, when we open it up. Uh, first, so it looks like uh, you're. This is for a relationship situation in which other people have intervened in that uh, relationship and kind of caused an issue. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. Okay, and how? Are you, the, the, your partner, are you still with that partner or are you doing kind of reconciliation work because you guys have broken up? Uh, a little bit of both. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, we broke up, but he's, he's, he's playing his part. He's doing everything right to get back with me. Okay, good, good. And that's, and that's the key. Now, if he's, if he's trying to get back together with you, uh, it's also important that you be open and willing to forgive. You can do all sorts of work to, uh, you know, get justice as you rightly deserve, but reconciliation workers should always center healing kind of first and foremost. Uh, if someone's like, all right, I want to come back, and you want to get back with that person, it's best not to, you don't, you generally don't put too many conditions, like, well, you got to do this, and you got to show up this way. Instead, see it as a sincere attempt to heal. So my recommendation is kind of two parts. Is one, I would continue doing candle work and root work, and I would probably recommend getting a, a consultation with Deacon Miller if he's available uh, to talk more in depth about your situation and what the right approach is. So I would start with a reading with Deacon Miller uh, and then go and see what specifically, what path you want to take. Set more candles, the recommendations that Deacon Millet gave uh, when he spoke to you, highly recommend them ball gag to silence the people that, that are speaking ill about you, uh, tower to get rid of those that are causing you true mischief. I would complement this with some type of freezer work on those people. 
And if Deacon Milt is available, you might even consider hiring him to do uh, the freezer work himself. Um, but uh, or he can give you some magical coaching on how to do it. But this would be a really good start. You would take the people who have caused you issue, people who have been spoken ill, who have been speaking ill of you, whose wagging tongues have caused you issue, and you would wrap them in aluminum, soak them in oil in a, uh, lemon first, add salt to it, uh, put on alum, and then of course whatever else Deacon Millet would recommend because he. You know, he could connect with uh, spirit and see what's specifically required and do some type of freezer work along those lines. The other thing that I would recommend is if you, you asked about candles for stop uh, stopping people from speaking and tower work, and that's great. But you should also be setting candles for reconciliation and healing. So kind of working both hands would be useful here. Do one part of it, and this is you could also divide this work up, let Deacon Millet handle one portion of it, and then at a different time he could take over a different side of it, uh, or you can work in tandem with him. But this is where uh, you would want to work both hands. Do the stop, uh, ga- you know, uh, what was it, stop gag? What was the name of the candle? I'm so sorry, Bound I forgot. Stop and gag. Stop and gag. I love that. Bound and gag. I love yes, that. Yes, I love it too. You do that. Yeah, you do do some candle work with that. You might set these in runs, and this is a really great way of building power so that it starts with stop and gag, it then leads to the tower, and then once those runs are done, two or three of those candles kind of going simultaneously or back-to-back, you then also work the return to me, the come to me, the love, the reconciliation. And those candles can really help foster um, the healing between you and your partner, drawing them back into your life, restoring what was damaged, and really kind of bringing the relationship back to the healthy place that it is. As you were doing the kind of candle work with Deacon Millet, I would definitely recommend some bathing work for yourself. Get yourself some uh, reconciliation bath crystals. You can also uh, get yourself some uh, love me bath crystals. Brew this in some hot water, dissolve it in some hot water, and bathe yourself in this. Wash yourself in this, uh, wiping yourself down, letting yourself air dry, gathering a bit of that used bath water, and sprinkling it on your front doorstep. The other thing I would recommend is sprinkling around your house, inside the house, peace water. Take some peace water, sprinkle it around the house, in particular because you mentioned that there was some old people in the house that, that caused some issues of old people in their lives. This is, a, this is something that happens. When people interfere, they disrupt the domestic bliss and serenity of the home. So the home becomes a place of chaos. The home becomes a place of mm. arguing when it should be a place of serenity. It should be the place you feel safe. So in order to kind of undo that, after you sprinkle the, uh, the used bath water on your doorstep, that's to draw him back into you, you then will sprinkle peace water in the house to ensure that there is uh, serenity in the home. So this is kind of my recommendation. These are just some things that you can add on to the work that's already being done. I'm going to turn this over first to Deacon Millet, and then we'll open it up to Laura to see if she has uh, recommendations as well, but let's see what Deacon Millet has to say because he knows your case more and he can give you directions on what type of work you can do uh, and where you can go from here. And again, I also recommend once this call is done, set some time up with Deacon Miller. Okay, well, thank I, you. I just love hearing <laughs> your your thoughts, Conjurman Ali. 
uh, you know, it just it makes me want to to call you up on a daily basis and run things by you. Um, and it's uh, you know, you're just you are such a great worker, and I wish you had a lot more time. Um, I, I, know. I know that you've got so much uh, so much academic work, um, but you just you you bring just the right tone and thought to 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 what to do and um I'm oh, looking forward fine. to hearing I'm looking forward to hearing what, what Lara thinks as well because we've worked together for years and years and years. Um so I just want to pull three cards and just see what they have to say as well. The first card here is solar return and this card shows an eclipse of the sun and um we, in addition to the to the horrible weather, weather we've had some really crazy astrological weather this month, um, with lots of retrograde planets to eclipses. Um, it really the Ooh, world just feels tell me about pregnant. It. Yeah, it just feels pregnant for a massive change, and this is playing a part in in the issues that you're facing. The second card is recall memory. And this card shows um, some seashells at the ocean. And if we hold those up to our ears, we hear the echoes of the past. We hear the sound of waves, which is um, really our own uh, heartbeat in, those, in the shells. But um, memory plays an important part of this. And I think it may, um, you may need to go back to some positive memories that have been lost to you um, about these people who have caused difficulties. Um, there's, a, there's a feeling of um, maybe something having been forgotten, and that would be very good for you. The third card here is Mother's Milk, and this card shows a woman's breast, and out of it is flowing the Milky Way. Um, and this is a card about nurturing and pregnancy and children and parenthood and all of those things. Um, and I guess the question would be, um, what, what does the more nurturing side of yourself want to bring um, to things now that uh, we've gotten a little bit of retribution um, in, and uh, moved some, some justice into the situation? So um, with that, I'm, I'm really curious what um, Lara's take on this will be and what she will have to add. Thank you so much, Dr. Millett. I feel like my advice is going to be an oldie but a goodie. It seems to really fit in with what we're looking at with the urgency of the sense of justice, but also with trying a softer path one that perhaps could bring healing as well as it could bring uh, a surfeit of the action. And based on the work we've been talking about, I'd like to suggest a mirror box. I think mm -hmm. that that would be a really excellent way of turning back on those that have caused you harm, that which is owed to them, good or ill. And by doing this, we can bring better things into their lives so that perhaps they are not unhappy and hostile and cranky and directing unnecessary energy at you, 
But if they can't let that go and move on into their own lives, we can send back what they're trying to put out, and perhaps lessons will be learned that way. Mirabox is a great spell when you're not sure who your target is or if you're not completely sure as to what their role within it is. And if you're not familiar with it, I'm going to pull it up and I'll drop a link in the chat out of respect for our time today. Okay, thank you. I'm very familiar with the mirror box. I did actually do something like that about a year ago for these same people, and it worked for a while, but I think she found her way out of the mirror box. Well, yeah. maybe we should try it again. Yeah. 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 Okay. I mean, when you have a situation sure like that, help. yeah, if you get a situation where someone, you know, you've dealt with someone before and it works, but then they come back, that's usually an indication that either uh, either work needs to be repeated, and sometimes that is the case. Work sometimes has to be done more than once for it really takes yeah. effect, and that's normal. But also is an indication, again, that you should be working with a, a root worker and reader more regularly. Uh, this is a situation that will require uh, someone to, to read for you every little bit to make sure that things are headed in the right direction and adjust accordingly. That You're not going to have a sort of one-size-fits-all solution. There isn't going to be an all-cure panacea that you can kind of take and then that's it. This thing is resolved. You'll want to adjust your approach based off of the candle reports that you get from Deacon Millet, based off the readings that you get from him, and the recommendations. So this is going to require a little bit more customized approach, and this is why I highly recommend you start. Hang up the phone when you're done with this, set up an appointment with Deacon Millet, and then go from there. You're in good hands with him. But the good news is that all three of us have seen that things are headed in the right direction. Your candle reports are telling you that things are headed in the right direction. The readings are telling you that they're headed in the right direction. And the recommendation is just all kind of a complement to that. So um, you have nothing to worry about. You're headed in the right direction with the right person. You're in the right hands there. Thank you for trusting us with your your situation. Uh, We do wish you all the best. Um, Hopefully it it all works out, and and I'm very confident that you're going to have a very uh, positive uh, result. So we have come to the end of our reading. Uh, We're going to take a a very quick break for uh, network announcements, and then we're going to have Papa Newt come back in and uh, usher in the free spell, which I'm very much looking uh, forward to from Lara. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays 4 to 5, and The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays 6 to 7. All times Pacific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for a free spell segment with Laura Rivera of the Chesser House RI on Facebook in Providence, Rhode Island. Take it away, Laura. All right. Thank you very much. 
I actually wrote this spell for my daughters. When we moved to Texas, I, my parents were very far away, and my husband's parents had passed on. So my daughters, who were certainly raised in this tradition, we went out to the graveyard, and I let them read all of the different gravestones, and they each picked out someone from the graveyard, and we gathered dirt from those graves just over the chest from their heart, and we paid for it, and we brought it back to make a grandparent's graveyard box. And this was so that the girls Mm. could feel like they had grandparents that were local to them. It really helped with the transition, especially for my oldest, who had started to understand how far away grandma and grandpa was. And we used a small cigar box, and we laid the graveyard dirt in it. And we told the spirits what we were doing. So the girls said, my grandma and grandpa are very far away. And sometimes I want to talk to them, but I can't call them on the phone. Would you come? Maybe you could help me when I needed homework or somebody to talk to. And we really just took a moment to explain that we were looking for somebody to help our family, to be part of our family and to guide us and bring us prosperity and peace and to soothe arguments. And we brought that box home and we laid all the dirt out into the cigar box. And I taped the girls' pictures on the outside of the box. Now the girls asked me, why can't we go on the inside? And I said, well, when it's closed, we don't want you laying down on the graveyard dirt when it's closed. So we make sure you stay above the grave. So always make sure you put the pictures of living people on the outside of the box, not on the inside. But when the girls had petitions or things that they wanted, they would close it up in the box or they would open it and they would talk to their newly adopted grandparents. And we would bring the boxes out when we did Sabbath and we would light blessings and candles. And this really was an important way for the girls to learn how to interact with spirits, but also how to feel a little comforted. To this day, my girls still speak of this connection and still have their boxes, and now they're grown and almost out of the house. So I hope you enjoy that. Oh, my gosh. This is fantastic. Uh, another one oh. knocked right out of the park <laughs> yeah. from, from last week to this week. This was just, this is a fantastic working. Um, I'm, can, can, is it already? We ask a couple questions. Um, Absolutely. Because I think lots of people, there's a lot of interest in this and the, the, the chat room is quite buzzing right now. Um, would you offer offerings to uh, the graveyard box? Like, would you give it, uh, water and candles uh, or or something else? We did, though so the girls preferred to give them little gifts. So they would bring mm. them home stones that they had found, flowers that they had picked. They couldn't quite grasp giving them 
drinks, but they love mm-hmm. leaving cake out for them. So if there's mm. calories being counted with our new grandparents, <laughs> I'm sure they were quite unhappy because there were all types of cakes and sweets and cookies <laughs> left out. Oh, oh, that's <laughs> well, fantastic. I, I, I think, yeah, what a beautiful working. Uh, that is just, just amazing. Now, were the gifts placed inside the box, near the box? How did, where were they precisely? Well, the boxes varied in size. That each girl had their own box, and one didn't have much ah. room, and one did. So, as part of this. In my desire to teach them how to let go of toys, we had a one-in-one-out rule so that if they added a new item to the box, they had to take another one out and place it nearby. And I used Mm. this to teach them that if they got new toys, older toys they weren't playing with had to move on as well. And once Mm. we had too many, we would bury them in the back or the front yard, and I let the girls kind of figure out which worked for them. Wow, that's great. There's there's lessons also uh, tied into that. That's fantastic. What would you do with the with the offerings, like the cakes? Would uh, is there a way that you would recommend disposing of them, or, or dealing with toys that needed to? That were broken or whatnot, or needed to to be disposed of. What would be the uh, appropriate uh, approach? Would you say or process? Well, the cakes was pretty obvious. If they didn't like the cake, it molded, and so we just got rid mm-hmm. of that right away. If they did like the cake, mm-hmm. I would notice that no mold or other growth would form on the cake, and we would leave that until the next time we did offerings. And that could be up to a week later. We always did it on, on Friday night for our Sabbath. And then the cakes would be taken in, and the girls would have to wash their own offering cups themselves. And they talked to um, Aunt Gina and Aunt Mary, which were how they called their new grandparents, and because um, they used the great aunt term. And mm-hmm. they would wash them and just dispose them. We didn't do anything special with disposing of food. But, yes, we would with toys and stones. One of the girls has all of the stones still with her in a box on her desk next to the ashes of a dog she lost. So they kept them with them. Wow. That's fantastic. That is so powerful. I love I love in particular um, that you incorporated your kids in this, that this was a reminder that, that really – Spiritual practices aren't just, you know, the, the, the magic that you throw out there, um, but it's also, it's, it's a family tradition. It's spiritual traditions that, um, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that, that you grow and, and, and your family is a part of. And I think, I think some people really, really kind of forget that sometimes. Um, and yeah. also for those that might be like, oh, well, I've never heard of this, or this isn't traditional or whatnot the Black Hawk Bucket, or there's a whole body mm-hmm. of, of work dedicated to how to do work with ancestors uh, and how to build graveyards for them or how to, to make them mobile. Um, this, is, this is just uh, 
fantastic, and I think uh, a lot of people will benefit from it, particularly people who are asking, like, how do we build these connections if we can't have access to them physically? Well, there is a way you can do that. Um, so, so this was great. Um, we are uh, un- unfortunately uh, out of time, but uh, this was such a fantastic show, and it was so great having uh, both of you uh, join us today, both as a guest co-host and as a guest. Um, it was uh, a really interesting and exciting conversation. Uh, and hopefully people will tune in next week where they get to hear kind of the part three. I'm going to turn this over to uh, Papa Newt and see if he can guide us from here. Papa Newt, you there? Thank you, Congressman Ali, and thank oh, you, Deacon Millet, uh, for being our special guest this week, our main special co-host this week of mine. And thank you, Laura, for, for the uh, the uh, Professor House uh, R.I. on Facebook and Providence, Rhode Island, for being our guest this week. And we look forward to having you as our special guest next week to continue Spirit Communication Part 3. Once again, we come to an end of another Lucky Mojo Voodoo Rubric Hour brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Conjurman Ali at theconjurman.com in Mission Viejo, California, and you can know it at thefouraltars.com in the high deserts of California. I'm your announcer, Pop New, joining you from popnew.com in Omaha, Nebraska. The Lucky Mojo Voodoo Rubric Hour can be heard every week live on Vlog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to say thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you'll hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Vaults. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Thanks, Papa Newt. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. A uh, special thank you to our wonderful uh, guest today. Thank you, Deacon Miller. It was so great having you. Uh, it's always fun chatting with you and, oh, and, and, and so much fun having you as a guest co-host. Um, I, always love, I always love the opportunity when you're on. Um, and thank well, you great. as well to Laura Rivera for being our great guest and for really being soldiering on, doing it back-to-back is not easy. Um, so thank you for that. Look forward to having you back uh, next week. Thank you all. If you enjoyed our guests, be sure to check out their various websites and seek them out for services. All the best and have a great weekend.